0: Okay, well, as you know, we're going to start a study through Thomas Watson's book, The Lord's Prayer. We're only going to do the sixth position, uh, sixth position, sixth petition. Excuse me, "Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil." And uh, I'll explain in a moment while why we're going there. It's really trying to maximize time. As I was looking for something else, I had to reread it because I couldn't find whatever copy we have where my highlights were in it. I did go through the book along with a number of other books when I was preaching through Matthew, preaching through uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and specifically preaching through the Lord's Prayer. Um, so if you want to go back to the sermons in Matthew on the Lord's Prayer, I'm sure you'll hear a lot of Thomas Watson quoted. I'm not going to go back through the whole book because of that, uh, but I thought, boy, this, this is so good, and I spent some time re-highlighting, and so some of it is just trying to maximize my time, but it's so good and it was so fresh to me. Um, that I thought we'd study it together. Now, I am recording this for Sermon Audio, uh, partly because they don't have any extra fees for extra publishing anymore, (laughs) so we can put up as much as we want. Secondly, it's public domain. Um, I'm going to be mostly reading highlights and talking off the cuff. We'll go to scriptures. It won't be nearly as developed and involved, but I think it's appropriate to do that. But also, as you know, when we study the Lord's Word, He always shows up and blesses us. And Thomas Watson especially just has a way of saying things and opening the scriptures to us. And uh, I'd like to make that available for others to benefit from. I have uh, written a, an article for Place for Truth when they did a series through the Lord's Prayer. You could look that up if you like on Place for Truth. It was based on preaching on this uh, petition. Of course, we also look through the Lord's Prayer uh, through our preaching through the Westminster Larger Catechism. So there's a lot to really go through the whole thing if you want, including on this topic uh, but um, I was looking up things. I guess I'll just explain now, and then we'll sing. I was looking up, as you know, I preached on despair recently, and I had mentioned I couldn't find the quote by Thomas Watson. I thought it was in the part of Art of Divine Contentment. Then I thought it was maybe Jeremiah Burroughs, Real Jewel of Christian Contentment, which was teaching alongside it. Then I thought, well, maybe it's his Ten Commandments, Body of Divinity. I couldn't find it. And I thought it was probably... When he's talking about, watch out, because Satan wants with sin to get us ultimately to the place of despair. That's his goal. I found some good quotes in this section, and that's why I revisited it. I'm still not convinced it's the what's in my head. And it could be I don't remember too well. Uh, but I'm going to give you a pastor's devotion with what I found yet and, and let it go because it's good enough. But I had to read this whole section to find it. And it was so powerful that I just thought, well, as you know, we're going a second job and busy with so many things. Uh, I'll maximize the time for having read that and encourage me to do it. I'll use it for our Wednesday studies. We may or may not go through the whole section. It is rather long, it'll take a little while. Um, I kind of expect I'll get your feedback and we'll, we'll, we'll see what we do, but at least we'll give it some time. But what I'd like to do, having prayed, I'd like to sing Psalm 101 together. I was thinking of a psalm that would express the sentiment of our study Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Um, and you see David saying this in Psalm 101. I've often wondered if this is his resolve after growing after repentance in Psalm 51. It would be interesting to think about, you know, he's repenting of being called out by Prophet Nathan in Psalm 51 for adultery, which he covered up with murder. And the Lord forgave him. Psalm 51 is a psalm of repentance with that i I'm not saying I know this, but it's something that's interesting to me. I wonder if some of what you see, of what he's going to sing about here, if he might have in view, I'm not going to let that happen again because I'm going to be more careful about setting myself up in the first place for temptation because he was walking around the rooftop at night and he noticed Bathsheba bathing and he shouldn't have been doing that. He shouldn't have been looking. She probably should have been more careful and possibly was aware that the king was watching. And I, I can't help but wonder if this psalm, uh, he has Psalm 51 on his mind, perhaps. Either way, let us have it on our mind, and may these words be sobering in our commitment as we prepare for this study. Da.
1: da, 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 da. Of mercy and of justice. sincere, no base thing will I suffer before mine eyes to be, I hate unfaithful doing, it shall not cleave to me. is perfect
0: So as I said, we're going to be studying the last uh, chapter of Thomas Watson's book, "The Lord's Prayer." Uh, it is the last, the sixth petition in the Lord's Prayer, um, and uh, the main scripture we're going to want to study or reference is Matthew six verse thirteen. If you want to tear in there with me, but I'd also like to open our Bibles in the Old Testament to First Chronicles chapter four verses 9 and 10, a sermon we preached not long ago. There's something there that uh, I often pointed to this scripture, in Matthew, about. There's an interesting overlap, I think an important overlap to recognize, especially as it says God answered his prayer, the prayer of Jabez. Uh, First, let me just read for us Matthew 6, verse 13. Again, the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer, uh, as Thomas Watson will open it up to us. Uh, I'll often just be reading some highlights along the way I think are beneficial to think about together and I'll take us to some of the scriptures he brings up along the way. I'll have some of my other thoughts to add to it, sprinkle it in. But um, if you care to get it, we do have one more copy in the library. Don't feel obliged to follow along. I'm not going to teach everything, although I am, it's hard not to highlight a lot with Thomas Watson. Uh, but feel free to just jot down, if you take notes, whatever really is meaningful to you you want to remember. Don't worry about uh, trying to get it all down. Um, and, and just let it bless and feed you. Uh, I appreciate what they taught us in, in seminary for preaching class. Uh, people are going to remember mostly nothing that you say, which is pretty humbling when you think about how much work you put into it. But the encouraging thing is, this is why, by the way, I, I've been trained to give you one point, not six points. I give you moves along the way, but in the bulletin is the main point I want you to take away with and I'm supposed to try to screw that in your head, because that's about all you'll be able to remember. Now, that's not any comment on intelligence, it's just reality of life. And it doesn't mean you won't benefit from things, but why do I bring that up? The other thing that he said was, you know what, it's like when a person works real hard, let's say mom for Thanksgiving especially, or you know, a, a nice big meal, people are coming over, and you know they eat that meal, and they don't necessarily think much about it later, reflect on all the tastes and smells, and but they were well-fed, and that's... That's the point. So it doesn't mean you don't get things out of it. You don't benefit from things. But what I guess I'm getting at is just be well-fed. Don't worry about all the details. Just be well-fed. You know, if there's a few things you want to jot down, you know, take a couple of rolls and some butter with you or a piece of pie on the way out. You know, you want to nibble on it a little more, fine. But I really want to encourage you to relax, enjoy yourself, um, sit back and make yourself comfortable to roam around the cabin. No, really, don't do that. It'll be distracting. But, uh, you know, we just been through a very thorough, detailed, long class and long classes so i encourage you to just just have a nice meal and take what you want with you you know let's let a little aroma stay with you with what you want to savor maybe later okay but let's go and this will be our main scripture matthew five or excuse me matthew six verse 13 the sixth petition of the lord's prayer within the sermon on the mount and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil so there's two things there and we'll be looking at them in great detail. Uh, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And you, and you might say, as we'll study it, lead us not into temptation. Temptation is is not the sin. It's the tempting to the sin. We're asking to be spared temptation. And it's, but, but deliver us from evil. Help us not to give in to the temptation. Help us not to sin. Remembering our Lord Jesus was tempted by Satan, but in all things never sinned. And he gives us the example To how to fight Satan and resist him, quote the scriptures, know the scriptures, and don't let Satan manipulate the scriptures. That's one of the things he does. Satan even quotes the scriptures when he's tempting Jesus, but he's he's misusing it. Okay, so Matthew six thirteen, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let me just say real quick, mommy in the cry room. I'm so glad you're here with the boys. If you need a break. Have one of the other kids come in and give you a break, okay? Don't be afraid to do that. And if I think you need one, I'm going to send somebody in to help you, okay? <laughs> Don't worry. And we're glad you're all here. Okay, uh, now I want to turn with you to First Chronicles chapter 4. I think I said the cry room. I, Mr. Renner always reminds me. We changed the words from some other lessons. It's the training room. Uh, it's okay if they're moving around a little bit. It's the It's the training room so they more and more learn to be in church and then more and more make their way out here. So feel free to come out here and go back if you need to, but... Uh, and don't don't feel, uh, you got another baby in the belly there especially, so uh, take some help if you need it, okay? I might force it upon you, so if I do, please take it. <laughs> I can see you're tired. Uh, 1 Chronicles 4, 9 to 10. And Jabez was more honorable, but before I read this, let me remind you, this is a remarkable scripture because it's in the middle of about eight chapters of genealogies. And then all of a sudden there's this nugget. There was a time... Not so long ago, where this was big, they were selling lots of books on. And I went back and I read the read it, and I think it's relatively good. Actually, I think it's good. We don't want to make it a magical thing, but I I think it's pretty neat that it's tucked away here for us who can uh, come and find it. So, first chap, uh First Chronicles four nine to ten. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, O that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Now notice, Jabez is more honorable than his brethren, probably because he's caring to pray these things, And God granted his request. You want to have answered prayer? Here you go. Uh, Now, in particular, there's disclaimers to give. Go back to the sermon. (laughs) I'm not going to explain it all tonight. But the overarching uh, purpose, uh, overarching message I gave to you, the one point to take home was pray that God would help you live honorably. I think Jabez, when you look at all the specifics as we explain them in the sermon, he wants to honor the Lord. He wants to do the first. Part of the Lord's prayer, the preface. Father, with art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Hallowed be Thy name, that we would honor Him. But what do I want to highlight here? What is so similar to what we're studying the Lord's prayer as I did when we went through this this prayer in a sermon? What does He say? What's the last petition He makes? Just as we're given the last petition, and it it occurs to me only now, why is the last thing that's asked? Well, they say save the best for last. Maybe because of the thing we need to remember the most. Keep me from evil. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil, Jesus says. Or Jabez says, keep me from evil. Why? That it would not grieve me. Because we know we'll grieve the Holy Spirit, quench the Holy Spirit, but we'll grieve ourselves. I think that's related to why we're told to obey the elders in Hebrews, that we wouldn't grieve them. And it's also not profitable for us. So much of the elders' work is to lead people out of temptation and sin and into righteousness, right? Right? So we're focusing on that the end of the prayer of Jabez, that God answered and he was more honorable. Help me honor you, Lord, in all these things, including keep me from evil that I don't grieve myself. So there's also that self-interest, right? Because when I give in to evil, it's just going to be a life of grief. And I'm going to grieve a lot of other lives. Keep me from it. And it's so similar to what Jesus says in this petition. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Again, both prayers end with that. It didn't occur to me until now. That's interesting and striking and I think worthy of our consideration alone. I'm not going to say too much about it because I don't want to make more than might be there, but it's striking to me that both prayers end with that. Maybe we should say at least this, beloved, as we open up this study. How often do we think to pray this in our prayers, except for please give me this and that, please lead me out of pain and problems, right? How often do we think to ask for it? And how often, if we do, do we we think to say it last? Not as a like, oh yeah, I forgot almost, but, and especially Lord, help me not to sin against you. Because sin is rebellion against God, but we're opening the prayer. Father, our Father, which art in heaven. All right. Now I'm starting to preach. Let me, get, let me get to the notes with Thomas Watson here. But uh, that's pretty striking. Have those scriptures in view, please. So the first thing is, lead us not into temptation. That's what we're going to think about first. Lead us not into temptation. Now, we do want to make this disclaimer as he gives. God tempts no man to sin. So we're not saying, Lord, stop tempting me, please. God tempts no man to sin. And uh, we're going to go to some scriptures here. Let's go to James 1, verse 13. Now, I can't help but recall someone who used to be here. I remember once they blamed God for their sinning. Well, God's sovereign over everything. Why didn't he stop me? Watch out with that stuff. James 1, verse 13, don't you dare blame God. Now, we're going to think about what is being said here then, but let's make sure we know what is not being said. James chapter 1, verse 13, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth any man. Now keep that open, we're going to come back to James in a moment as we go down with the notes. God does not tempt us. We're asking him essentially to protect us from the temptation of Satan, from the temptation of our eyes, our hearts, the eyes of, and pride of life, from the temptations of the world and the world tempting us that we wouldn't give in to these temptations, Right? It would be great if we don't have to face temptation. Amen. So we might say, Lord, as I pray, lead me not into temptation. Help me to learn not to lead myself into it. Help me to recognize where I can't be going, where I can't be straying near. Lead me not near temptation, not into it. Help me, Lord. Help me. We're helping the Lord protect us from ourselves more than anything else. We're not saying, please don't tempt me, Lord. We are going to see later in the study, why does he let the temptations happen? It's a different thing than why Satan tempts you. And we'll look into those things. We'll get, disclaim- we'll get some uh, nuances there and helpful understanding. I think that'll be a little while in the study. Thomas Watson says, He, that is God, permits sin, but does not promote it. We're going to study, why does he permit it? We'll look at that. He does permit it, or it wouldn't happen. And we're going to even remember to go to the, con- the confession that's got a really pastoral comment. Why does he let his believers sin? But he does not promote it. He permits it, but he does not promote it. It's never okay. He uses it in his overarching, hidden, uh, we don't know how it all works out, his hidden uh, uh, will, decretive will, but his prescriptive will is don't sin. Okay? Uh, One of the ways, of course, is to show his mercy. Um, But uh, the question is doesn't it say that God tempted Abraham in Genesis 22 1? Here's his answer. Some of these things I'm just going to give you quickly and then we'll slow down to other places. God tried Abraham's faith. Tried means like tested. As a goldsmith tries gold in the fire, but there is a great deal of difference between trying his people's grace and exciting their corruption. Think of Job, right? He's to be tempted. To let's let's Satan says, "Well, he's not going to praise you if he's tempted." Well, Let's try him. He Job, doesn't he say, I will come forth as gold, right? You know, God is using difficulties and temptations, especially as we get through them, to strengthen us against them, right? It gets easier to say no next time. Always got to be careful, but he's also trying us through these things to purify us, to make us more pure gold, okay? He's not looking to excite corruption and make us impure. For as Jesus says in the Beatitudes, the pure in heart shall see God. Um, So we don't want to say to God, why are you doing this? Why are you letting me be tempted? Rather, we want to say, Lord, do what your will is. Make me more pure by resisting this temptation and lead me out of it. When do temptations come? From where do temptations come then? They don't come from God directly. He doesn't tempt us to sin. Okay, two answers. You want to guess? Where do temptations come from? In terms of seeking to corrupt us. Satan in the flesh, right. He goes in reverse order, but you're right. So they come from within, and they come from without. Remember, Jesus says in Matthew, it's out of the heart that all these sins come from. We like to blame outward things, but it's ultimately our sinful hearts, especially if we're not born again. The heart is deceitfully wicked, right? The Bible says in Jeremiah. It's our hearts. Yes, it is a heart issue, right? Absolutely it is. And our heart's got to be purified, and we need to help it and guide it. It comes from within. Now go back to James. Uh, let's start with, uh, uh, where was I? James 1, verse 13. Let's look at that again. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Now we're going to read verse 14 now. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So it comes from within. It's our own lust. This isn't to be celebrated, but it is to be looked at and recognized so we know how to deal with it. It isn't just Satan. By the way, what is sin? Sin is the transgression of God's law, but I can't help but think about what my systematics professor, Dr. Richard Gamble, said in seminary. Sin is what we choose to do. Sin is what we think or do. It comes from our heart. We sin by omission. We sin by our thoughts. We sin by not telling the temptation of Satan to go away, but giving it a place. I love how uh, Mr. Renner, many times we've quoted him quoting Spurgeon. This is very loosely quoting it, but, you know, Satan may be knocking on the door, but we don't have to open it and give give him a room, right? But the lust in our heart wants to. It's there. We have our old man. We still want to sin. We still love sin. Don't lie to ourselves. That's part of the problem. Acknowledge it, recognize it, so we can deal with it. We are wicked. Our old man wants to sin. He always will. She always will. So we have to keep killing and putting off the old self, putting on the new. So let's recognize the lust within us and pray that the Lord would do what? What does David say in his, his uh, psalm of repentance and confession in Psalm 51? Create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. Create in me a clean heart. Make me want what you want, Lord. Make me love what you love. Make me hate and be disgusted with what you hate and are disgusted with. And recognize, Lord, it isn't so as it should be. Please help me. Again, recognizing we need the Holy Spirit. We can't do it on ourselves, right? But also be encouraged. There is the new man, and the Holy Spirit is working with us. We pray the Lord would help us cooperate to produce more of the fruit of the Spirit. Unless of the rotten fruit of the suggestions of Satan that our old man says yes okay, so it comes from within and what was the other one Josh? It comes from without Satan so it is also Satan. You can never say Satan made me do it but you can say I shouldn't have listened to Satan. I did it And it's incredible the ability he has to influence us if we don't learn about our enemy and how to resist and fight him. Be encouraged. James also says what? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit first. Yeah, but we resist the devil by submitting to God. Yeah, but the encouragement is, as we resist and fight, put on the whole armor of God, be ready for the arrows of the devil, fly all the time, shield the faith up. We can learn, we can grow, we can have victory in Jesus because we have victory in Jesus over death and sin. This isn't to make us... Say, woe is me, and go dig a hole and stick our head in the dirt, right? I mean, Satan will want to make you loathe yourself and go sin more. That's not the point, okay? From without, Satan is coming after you. So let's turn to Matthew 4, verse 13. Matthew 4, verse 13. And again, beloved, please keep me aware of the time. I know we got some time, and I don't, I've always been taught, don't ever mention the clock, then I won't stop thinking about it, but I am very, very much wanting to keep my commitment to give you a a while, a nice uh, early night. The you know, we'll start at 7.15, end at 8. So wherever we are at 8, I'll just pick it off from there and pick it up next week, okay? But when I get into it, I can completely forget to look at the clock, so, um, and Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Satan tempts. Satan tempt our Lord Jesus. Why wouldn't he tempt us? Jesus passed the test on our behalf. Praise the Lord. And that's the reason we can keep doing better following his example. Now, notice what Jesus says here. He's, uh, excuse me, what Satan says here. Uh, it is said, he's quoting scripture. If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. It's a psalm. And, uh, boy, I'm not going to stab and get it wrong. If any of your Bibles tell you in the column, let me know. I, I want to say 61. I don't think that's right. But he's misapplying the scripture, right? And so how does Jesus answer? He's also said, don't tempt God, right? So, and he's quoting Deuteronomy most of the time, which is significant because he's the beloved son, Hosea 11.1 1, quoted in Matthew 2, out of Egypt have I called my son, Egypt as a collective singular is God's son, Jesus is the true son, they typify, and so he's quoting Deuteronomy, that's significant, and he's quoting scripture to resist Satan, and Satan does leave him, but it says he'll come back another time at the cross, right? Um, but notice satan is tempting that's the main thing to see here but notice he'll even use scripture and he'll often get christians to abuse and misuse scripture out of context for all kinds of reasons right yes debbie you say you want to know what the for... yeah do you have the reference in your scripture yes, in your psalm 91 91 psalm 91 11 and 12 that's what satan's quoting but would god ever want jesus to uh To sin against God and do what he's not supposed to do right now? No. Now, what's the temptation? Make bread out of stones. Why would that be significant? He just fasted 40 days. Just fasted 40 days. He's starving, very hungry. That's a real temptation, right? And could he do it? Oh, yes, he could. Even more of a temptation, he could do it. But he can't sin. He can't obey Satan. See, Satan doesn't want to give over his lair of the world, but Jesus is going to take it over from him, right? But if he gives in to Satan, it's over. So it's a real temptation. Now, when you're tired, you think Jesus was physically tired? Well, we see him trying to get sleep all the time and interrupted all the time, right? But he's also very, very hungry. Nobody's feeding him with fish and loaves, right? And he can't do it right now. He has to pass these tests on our behalf. By the way... Who put him in the desert? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit led him in the desert to be tempted and passed the test for us. But notice, when did it happen? I'm kind of jumping ahead for a lot of what he's going to talk about. What had just happened right before? Jesus was just baptized. There was just this amazing experience where the Father says, this is my beloved Son. The Holy Spirit comes down like a dove and anoints him into his public ministry as the only mediator between God and men as prophet, priest, and king. Wow! Most of us would say, now let's go out to dinner and celebrate your ordination. No, the Holy Spirit says, now you're going to go into the desert and starve for 40 days. The other warning is, as Thomas Watson will point out to us, a lot of times, we right after a mountaintop experience that you will get nailed. Satan is going to come right after you. Now, there's more involved than just that. But a lot of times, that's when you really got to watch out. Let our guard down. Think we're great now. No, we're always needing to be on guard. We're always needing to grow. We're never there until heaven. Amen? Okay. So, but the main thing to be seen here is that Satan will tempt you. You will tempt you. And Satan will tempt you. And Satan, working with your old man, is a pretty dangerous match. Right? Right? So, of course, we need to be crying out, lead me not, this is what he says all through the book, therefore, he tells you all this stuff in a section, then he usually closes the section, therefore, you see why we need to ask God, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Yes, Josh, actually, can you pass the microphone, please, turn it on. Uh, If you guys have any questions or comments that are more than just a word or two, I'd like to get it on the mic so everyone can hear, and then also the recording, will be able to pick it up. (coughs) Go ahead, Josh. Yes,
1: so it came to my mind.
0: it's It's certainly an important reason for sure, right? Because the arrows are flying. One thing we've often talked about, especially in session, is you got to remember to keep that shield up. when you don't think they're coming, the arrows are already in the air. They never stop coming, right? So I, I think there's a certainly a practical application. You got to always keep the shield up. There's never time to put the shield down until we're in heaven because the arrows are always on the way. And as he'll talk about that later, they come, they they in experience, they come suddenly like darts. Oh, man, I didn't see that coming. You know, we didn't keep our shield up and guard. Yeah, good. Uh, Consider, he says, his malice in tempting. What is malice? Hatred. He's wanting to kill you, right? Just hates you, wants to kill you. His malice in tempting. He's tempting you not just out of sport and for fun to see what will happen, which would be bad enough. He's tempting you because he wants to hurt you. He wants to destroy you. And he says, Satan envies man's happiness. Satan will never be happy. He's the fallen angel kicked out of heaven. He knows his end. Martin Luther says, whenever Satan tries to tempt me and get me to go to despair and, and to give up, uh, he reminds me about you know my beginning and stuff. He says, I remind him about his end. And Satan knows his end, and he's mad. Revelation 12, he just wants to hurt everybody in the church. If he can't, he's going to say this a lot. If he can't own you, if he can't make you lose your salvation, he's just going to try to make you miserable and never grow in grace. And he's so good at it. I mean, we'll talk about, he's been doing this, you know, I don't want to say literally forever, but he's very experienced. He knows what you're like by observation. He's not omniscient, he can't see your heart, but he can just observe you. And your tendencies, and he knows, I know exactly what's going to work for you because it worked for all these others in that category. I'm going to take you out. No problem. I got your number. Right? Now, the good news is Jesus has his number, right? 666, which means incomplete compared to 777. He fails. He loses. Nonetheless, he's pretty good at this, and he does not want you to be happy. Jesus says, I came to give you an abundant life. Satan says, I'm going to ruin it. I'm going to make it look horrible. So nobody wants to go to church. It's no abundant life. He's going to try to make Jesus look like a liar. He does not want you to enjoy your salvation. He does not want you to have assurance of it. He, he just has horrible malice to you. He wants to destroy you. Now, again, he knows how to roam like a lion, which means he knows how to be in stealth and careful to get you where you don't see it coming. And he, remembering we learned uh, roaring happens after the lion attacks and gets its prey, not before. One second, Isaac. Remember also that he often masquerades as an angel of light. He doesn't let you see how vicious it is, but you need to know what's behind it. Yes, Isaac? Microphone, please, so we know what you want to say, buddy. Especially, you got good questions. Everybody does, but yeah, what do you want to ask? So, it's kind of like, that's kind of like how like, he always wants to destroy you and stuff. Yeah. Kind of like how when we
1: were watching that series on the Pilgrim Progress, um, uh, um, when like, he was like in the mountains or whatever, and the um, and, um, Satan was this like big monster and wanted to destroy him.
0: That's right. Yeah, John Bunyan. Did I get it right? I'm always afraid I'm going to say Paul Bunyan. I do that. I did that to you recently. I don't know why I do that all the time. Uh, John Bunyan regularly wants us to see the danger always coming after us, right? He has these different illustrations, and you're right. Very good. Okay. Well, the, one of the other things I'll highlight here is uh, Thomas Watson writes, and, and there's going to be a long talk about all that Satan can do. That's, I mean, we are the problem, but Satan is really wanting to work with our problem. Okay. So we're going to learn how to fight Satan's devices by knowing how he works. By the way, let me say this. I know I've shared it before. Why is it a good idea to study Satan? So he doesn't deceive you. Yeah. I remember a skit when I was in college with Campus Crusade for Christ. The skit was, uh, there was this party, and Satan, one of the guys was Satan. He didn't put on a crazy mask, but he was identified as Satan. He'd walk around and just listen to people talking and... I don't know if he might have said he's Satan and, oh, I don't believe in Satan. I don't think it was that. But he'd hear people say, oh, I don't believe in the devil. He doesn't exist. And he didn't try to defend, yes, I do. He said, ah, that's good. Because if we don't want to believe that he exists and think he can actually do stuff to us, he can be much more effective because you don't see him coming and you don't know what hits you after he's gone, right? So as we study this, the Lord will help us to be more prepared to protect ourselves, okay? Um... Satan's diligence, he says, in tempting is seen in the variety of temptations he uses. He does not confine himself to one sort of temptation. He has more plots than one. If he finds one temptation does not prevail, he will have another. If he cannot tempt us to lust, he will tempt us to pride. And the other things will come along. Now, This is a bad illustration, or at least it's silly. It doesn't get the effect of it, but you know, like if you play golf, you got different clubs, right? You got one for hitting the long ball, you got one for putting, and different things in between. Oh, it's all right. I'll just pull out the other tool. Or maybe you got, you know, different fishing rods, depending on different bait, different tack. Well, I'm not getting any bites with this one. I'll switch it to another. He knows. I don't have, I'm not, oh, this isn't working. That's all right. I got plenty of options. So we want to recognize he is so good at getting us to stupidly choose to fall into sin he just he just knows what to do he's got plenty of tools Thomas Watson says how can uh, excuse me he Satan can blow a spark of lust into a flame watch out oh it's just this little thing oh yeah Satan says watch this he can do, you know you can think about it almost like you know those guys in the circus they can blow the gasoline it's crazy and the, the little fire they're holding that's what satan can do to you little tiny thing you lie to yourself oh it's just this little thing you know especially if it's an area and we all have our different areas but if it's especially a particular area of temptation for you watch out for that little spark it's all he needs when you start the stove all you need is the spark right away right and he's gonna turn that baby up on you. He can blow a spark of lust into a flame. Being a spirit, he can convey his temptations into our minds. That's kind of scary. I had to give him, I guess that's true, huh? He can, he can get in there and suggest into our mind. There's a truth to be said that not that Satan made me do it, but he he deceived me, he tricked me. Satan put this idea in my head. There's a probably some truth to that he's a spirit he can convey his temptation into our minds so that we cannot easily discern whether they come from him or from ourselves i can start to confuse us i don't know is that from satan is that from me and we can then we can start to decide well if it's for me is it is it bad maybe it's from the new me you know he can just and by the way we're going to see the way he can give you ideas you think they're good he can even make you sin by suggesting you do something good uh, his guy knows what he's doing All right, he says, now, if the devil has such power to instill his temptations that we hardly know whether they are his or ours, we are in great danger. Now, we're not saying we're without hope or with the victory, but let's recognize we're always in great danger. And then he says, and had need, pray not to be led into temptation. We're going to start to consider what is temptation next. Sounds like I had that plan and we ended right now. It just worked out. I am paying attention to the time. I'm going to close now because if I get to the next thing, I'll forget. But uh, we need to pray not to be led into temptation, knowing Satan's there to tempt us all the time. And we tempt ourselves recipe for disaster. Now we're going to look more closely at temptation and what it is next time. But this is a good place to stop. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being here. I know you may not know what to do with yourselves after I close in prayer and it's only 8 o'clock. Feel free to fellowship. Feel free to go home. It's all right. I'm just kind of joking. You guys are so patient. And uh, I'm I'm thankful that uh, this is a good place to stop. Let's pray. Lord, we do pray that you would keep us from evil, that we would not be grieved, and we would not grieve the Holy Spirit, and that we would recognize how wicked sin is Lord, we confess and acknowledge that our hearts are deceitful and we can't know them. Lord, we recognize we have this old man in us we're battling against and he tempts us. Our old memories, our old habits, our old man still there, familiar, reminding us of the familiarity. Sometimes just the temptation of the familiar even the familiar aftermath. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, that we would hallow your name, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And we do close praying as you taught us to say in full in the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Amen. One one comment before you go. He, he interestingly does not talk about in the book uh, the final closing of the Lord's Prayer that we said. He ends on this uh, request. But I would remind you that it closes with that powerful part and our shorter and larger catechism, they do go through that part as well. If you want to review and be thinking about it with those kinds of teaching tools, our catechisms do go through all of the Lord's Prayer. Thank you for your time. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful night. Oh, sorry. Gabriel, you wanted to say something real fast? Okay. Gabriel on the mic, and, and then we'll close. If you don't mind waiting, Mr. Uh, Mr. Gabriel Samuel Van Leuven has something to share. And apparently Gideon does too. Come here, buddy. Okay. Go ahead. Is the mic on? Okay. were well, you going to talk, or did you lose? How do I say what? Well, what are you wanting to talk about? I'm sorry, I'm not tracking with you. Huh? Something? Something? Well, tell you what, can you after we, when we're done, how about you and I try to help remember and, and I'll make a note and we'll talk about it next week. Does that sound good? Are you thinking about the pesky possum that's been in our house and you talk about mystery and the danger? Is that what you're thinking of or no? We were talking about that before we came in here. Okay, that's okay. Uh, did, did you have something, Gideon, you wanted to say? No? <laughs> this guy loves to play coy. Bring me to the mic, and then I don't have to say anything. My smile says it at all, right? Okay, say night-night. Can you say night-night? Say night-night. <laughs> say bye-bye. bye-bye. You're so silly.
1: All right, have a good night. <laughs>